0: Welcome once again to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about your finances today. Obviously, a lot of people are freaking out about their concerns. If you were on the Facebook Live a couple of uh, weeks ago with all the docs, we were talking about different um, ideas around your personal finances or your business finances, talking to your bank's talking to any other lenders that you have about getting some sort of reprieve right now um, in the times that we're in. So first of all, I would say do that, like go talk to those uh, people in your world. Oh, there he is. Let's see. I'm going to move him up to panelists. All right. Here he comes. Hey Reese. How are you doing, man?
1: Good. A lot going on right now, but um... I was going to say things blown up or what? Yeah, I I think they're a lot better right now than they were a week ago, so I feel really good right now. Yeah, I was say,
0: I could just assume
1: the available, the options available to dentists and specialists and small businesses across the country um you know, there're just there's a lot more options now, so.
0: Yeah, um, and it feels like it's funny cuz Megan even put on here true. It's it it feels like uh it is uh been like a, a year so who is it saying oh i was on a call today with one of our team members and she was like this last week it felt like the last week of pregnancy that it doesn't feel like a week it feels like a year it's like forever it's like man that was a, a while ago and i'm sure for you like things were just blowing up like crazy in the sense of your phone right i'm sure people were calling what do we do what do we do what do we do and there's that panic mode that sets in and yeah. i think we're going to talk a little bit about that today too Yeah,
1: I, I'm on the phone pretty late. You know, every night I'm on the phone, right. The last two weeks, probably every night I've been on the phone until pretty late. I mean, it's like, you know, not midnight every night, but like pushing that most nights, you know, and sure uh, all day. And, um, it's just a lot of like, it's not just like a stock market decline. Um, my clients kind of understand most of them who have been with us for a while, Kind of understand our investment philosophy and how to like, um, how we adjust portfolios during declines and why we do it the way we do it. But, uh, there is some people that still, you know, are scared. It's their first time investing, it's their first bear market, it's the first time they've ever seen their accounts go down in like, you know, five years. Yeah. But to compound it and make it worse, you have like all of the, they just don't have any income and they don't have any ability to hold down their overhead. And they either have to lay off staff furlough employees, terminate, um, or just keep holding down some payroll. They don't know how to split things up between, uh, the, make it emotionally feel fair and equitable to everyone. And the laws have changed four times in the last week. Um, wow. And today, today we have, you know, pretty good clarity on what to do, but, practices really only have like a couple of days still to lay people off and have them qualify for unemployment under the old law. And so it's like still a very like uh crazy couple of
0: two days to make some decisions right now. And you're spending, I'm sure a lot of your time reading it before we get into all that though, we should probably introduce you because there are people who are in the I'm, I'm very heavily in the ortho world. You're heavily, very heavily in the dental world. I'm, and you deal with orthodontists as well as private practice owners. Yeah. Um, And so I wanted to let people know that, so I wanted to talk to Reese because I've known Reese literally for 15 years now, I think it is, since uh, 2006 when we moved uh, and we were literally neighbors, like next door neighbors to each other. And Reese was building up his company. And back then I remember him talking about, you know, I think I'm going to focus in just on dentists and just on dentists. And, you know, as not a dentist, I was going, well, dude. I, I, I need money with, I help with my money too. And he was always gracious about helping out with money, but he's yeah. very smart and wise because he went to that specialty of like, let me just talk to these people who I, I think can help. I can help them with their finances, help them uh, leverage themselves to retire better in the future. And I've watched him just grow like crazy over this last decade. And so when we were talking uh, the other night on my big uh, doctor's round table, if you will, you know, we've had over, I think it's thirty-two hundred people who've watched that thing so far. And oh, one of the things awesome. that people talked about was finances, right? It's like we got to figure this out because back then, this was last Monday. So, like you said, things have changed so many times, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, tell us real quickly, just why did you choose to kind of get into the space, and what do you? What is your main focus? Because what I love about you is that you are a, a, a paid fiduciary. You're not somebody who is being paid off of the commissions. You're hired to do a job, and you do that job the best you possibly
1: can. Yeah, I'm. I think my motivation was I. I just I got to a point where I was um, seeing a lot of dentists and orthodontists, pedo os like all the dental specialties and GPS were just like being taken advantage of a lot by um, other financial we'll call it salespeople that were just like didn't have their best interest at heart and i just saw how many bad decisions were how many people were in pain and i saw how early in life like if you get paired with the wrong person early in life and you start getting their philosophy in your head um that it takes a lot of time to unwind those incorrect ideas it's it's a finance isn't like an academic curriculum that people get during um college and high school and yeah. so usually the place that they first the, the first book they read or the first person they come in contact with it often like influences them quite a bit that becomes their gospel and if that gospel is like maybe like 60 percent accurate then they like really can struggle throughout their entire life so what i've tried to do is is develop a curriculum and a philosophy a set of um like a, a i actually have like a a of an ios app that we built and um yep i remember i remember when you were first starting
0: that i remember when you were talking about just the basics of it and it's like so i'm thinking about doing this and i i have a specific memory of sitting in your office and at that time it was a small little like workspace type office mm-hmm. and you showing me this thing on the screen and me being like this looks so overwhelming i don't wow that's <laughs> like crazy that's You're like, crazy. I don't
1: know if that, I don't know if I want no, to. No, for me, that.
0: like, I am so not the numbers guy, but I'm like, I'm so
1: glad there are people out there in the world who who get this and they can. Yeah. yeah. Can you see my iPhone screen right yep. now? Yeah, we can see your screen. Yep. This Elements app down here at the bottom of my screen, um, it's got this cube, like this uh, Rubik's Cube down here. Yeah. So uh, the periodic table of financial elements was my, like, first way of like helping finances make sense to somebody, but we couldn't really fit a good periodic table on an iOS app, so we all the 12 financial elements fit nicely into a three-faced cube, and people voted on that one, and so we went with it. But like, what inside of here, we track these kind of characteristics about people to make sure that they, um, like instead of just talking about someone's savings, we talk about their savings rate and we actually want to measure what that rate of savings is and determine like this person's like insanely healthy like a 43% savings rate's like out of control like they need to take a vacation and like <laughs> relax a little bit spend a little bit of money yeah man <laughs> but like um you know that like instead of talking like generically about a financial topic we want to quantify that a little bit and make sure that um, we uh bring some like, rigor to the conversation so that we can actually move the dialogue forward. So if you want to talk about, like, saving up for a rainy day, well, saving up for a rainy day is a very abstract uh, concept, right? Right. right? But if we talk about that being, like, a, a concrete concept like liquidity, now liquidity is a, a concept that's really important. And if we look at someone's liquidity and we say their liquid term score is a one2 That means that their net, you take their liquid assets and you divide it by their annual personal spending. And you say, well, how long could that person live on their total liquid assets? Now we have a concrete concept. This person's a 1.2 LT score. So that means, you know, if you're a 0.3 or a 0.4, that's not as stable as someone is a 1.5 or a 1.3, right? And so now instead of like, you know, Dave Ramsey is a great like financial thought leader, but, like comes from a different frame of reference where he might say, like "Save up for a rainy day or a three month emergency fund right and it's like well that that doesn't actually that's not quite concrete enough to give someone tangible takeaways like if you're a dentist and your monthly practice overhead is like you know forty thousand a month that's very different than if you're on a w two paycheck working for um, you know, a hundred
0: percent. Yeah. I mean, if you're also also right now when you're thinking rainy day, I, I guarantee 99% of people did not think, oh, rainy day means literally I'm going to walk into work on Monday and the government's going to shut down my source of income. Yeah, like, right. they were thinking, all right, maybe we'll have a recession and I got to like tighten the belt a little bit. Yeah. No one was thinking this. So yeah. you're right. This is very much
1: more specific. Yeah, and I don't want when you talk about retirement, for example, I'm I'm not like gonna say, well, let's talk about retirement. I want to talk about financial independence, right? I want to like actually mm-hmm. measure if if somebody wants to spend like you know we'll call it nine thousand dollars a month, their nest egg is gonna be very different. That this person would need a three point two million dollar nest egg to kick off nine thousand a month, assuming this withdrawal rate right here of about 3% was what they felt comfortable with. A withdrawal rate is the percentage of money that you're gonna feel comfortable taking out of your portfolio every year. Right. So if, if you feel comfortable with a, a seven or eight or 9% withdrawal rate, you're crazy, cause that's not a, that's too high, and you know, but <laughs> but you'd only need like a million dollars in order to um, make that happen. And this this thing down here below that's really red, it says target total term score your total term is basically your net worth divided by your annual personal spending. So whatever your total value of your wealth is, of all your practice equity, your retirement, your cash, like if you divide that, this person's very wealthy, obviously, and they're, they've got plenty of, they're very prepared. Um, you divide their net worth by their annual personal spending and that is a 31 score. A 31 score is like literally financial independence, like you're going to be fine, like at that score rate, because you know, a 30 means that you've only got a 3% withdrawal rate, and this is very healthy. So if you spend nine grand a month, three million is going to be plenty. If you spend five grand a month, probably two two 2.1 million is going to be plenty. And so we, what we want to talk about people in terms of the progress they're making in terms of their total term score, because if your spending goes up too much, then- your score actually goes down, right? If you if you spend more, it's harder, and so you want to make sure that you're tracking that. And anyway, I'll get off my tangent of topics here. But like, I think mean, it's good for people to know the framework behind like how like what I'm doing is I'm trying to build a methodology that a lot of financial advisors are using to talk to people about money, as opposed to. Hey, I've got this tip for you. You should use, if you just would trade options this way, or if you'd buy insurance this way, or you should put your money in annuity, or you should buy income producing real estate. All those are good things potentially, but they're not the underlying behaviors Mm. that drive financial health. The underlying behaviors are your spending rate, your savings rate, your tax rate, your debt to income ratio, your liquidity, your retirement account balances, your real estate equity, your practice valuation, um, the, the, there's behaviors that you can like actually, you know, uh, influence. And that's what these elements are. These are things you can influence. These are things you can tangibly do. Um, that, that, and, and the business term, these are the, this is the lead measures, not the lag measures, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. These are your lead KPIs that drive the your performance of your holistic financial health and drive the the growth of your net worth over time you know so you want to be tracking your net worth you want to be moving everything in a positive direction and then we obviously have a lot of you know availability to be able to get in touch with people and and um, serve as a comprehensive advisor to them in all these um, ways and so whether you're a student that just needs to get like education on financial orientation and getting going in the right direction whether they're early career mid-career or late stage you know we've this philosophy that we've developed kind of helps us guide our our choices and we go through topics every month and we kind of rotate through these topics so that we're always working on something with a client so um, we got into it mostly by just like finding that dentists and people like dentists like Um, we haven't expanded our, um, like I probably will never expand my service business to other occupations, um, because it's hard to develop narrow expertise in an occupation, but I'm letting my software be used by other financial advisors. And I want this methodology to be like applicable and where I'm finding that it's applicable is in other, we call them entreprofessional niches where you're an entreprofessional, Dino, you know, you're, a highly skilled, highly trained um, consultant that also owns their, sm- uh, their uh, small business. And that type of person is particularly, um, they line up well with our philosophy and methodology. It's the business owner that also is mostly a skilled trade or highly trained, highly educated consultant or it could be a general contractor that's uh, building custom homes, has a small 10-man team. Um, those types of financial advisor, those, the financial advisors that serve those niches tend to really resonate with our, our financial product and the philosophy that we use. And so we're trying to evangelize that and we hope that the world just gets to be in a place where people are making better financial decisions. We call it holistic financial habits. That allow them to live more in the present moment. We want them to be like living life present by because they're making these good choices. So, anyway, thanks for letting me like share that context.
0: So one of the things I like about that is the fact that it shows us kind of your brain and how you think about things that you're just not looking at. All right, do you want to? You know, you're actually breaking down what the need is. That was um, understandable for me someone who's not into the financial world. And like you said, most people are not taught this in school. It's one of the things that I talk about as well, where you're not taught business in school, you're also not taught how to do finances in school. So I think there's the importance of that. What we want to do is we want to get to a couple of questions here from people who are asking, of course, what's going on. But before we do that, I kind of know, what do you see is the biggest panic and worry right now, besides the we don't know what's going on because the laws are changing, what do you feel? Uh, what What are the questions that are coming to you the most from uh, your clientele
1: or people that are reaching out to you? Um, talking about orthodontist specifically, um, like the ortho community, would that be the most helpful or or? or I I think both orthodental.
0: I mean, I I see some people coming up here, scrolling around, asking some questions. I think they're they're flexing
1: between both. Okay. Yeah, I would say like orthodontist uh, stayed open a little bit longer than a lot of the GPS did. Um, some of the, and, and their revenues aren't quite as impacted just because some of them are on contracts and, sure um, and, and so that is kind of nice as opposed to like when insurance reimbursements and, you know, then de- most of the GPs are in a lot different position, but most orthodontists that I work with, like it was the last few days, it wasn't like two weeks ago when they were shutting down. It was like just the last handful of days for a lot of them. Okay. And, um, and so at this point the most stressful thing i think everyone is thinking is how do i take advantage of all the government programs that are like available that's the biggest stress because if you right now people who have most people like if you survey dentists nationwide probably like 70% plus of all dentists and specialists have already laid off um, yeah. or terminated all their staff and told them to go get on unemployment mm-hmm. and that then uh, there was several bills that helped it enhance the unemployment benefits, which were almost equivalent to the pre to the prior um, wages that they're getting paid. Right, and so it's actually a pretty good um, deal. You know, for yeah. it's yeah. not like they're getting, not neither going to have to live off half of their paycheck right now. Yeah. It's pretty close right. to it's the like full almost amount, almost hundred percent. And so, you know, um, most people are just that haven't laid people off. Are wondering should I still now that the new payroll protection program is um, in being enacted into law, the new payroll protection program reimburses um, a small business who was forced to shut down during this period up to two and a half times their monthly payroll for uh, re- at, on a on a potentially uh, debt-free, meaning loan-free, loan forgiveness program. So like if I have 50 grand a month in, you know, uh, operational payroll, including my doctor's salary up to a hundred thousand, including my associates up to a hundred thousand, then I can get two and a half times that in an SBA loan that will allow me to get, um, you know, 125,000, for example, if it was two and a half times uh, 50,000 uh, per month, that would be 125,000. I can get that from the SBA. Um, and I'll be able to use that towards payroll, leases, insurance. Um, and um, I think that, that's the extent that's been listed. So so the question
0: though is for how long, like, do you know, have they said like, they're going to do this for three months, for two months or because there's, there's still money that needs to be you know, replenished into the, the coffers in, in some way. So how long is that going to
1: work? yeah i've got that written down here that i just got a notice from sba.gov this morning um it looks to me like this will be till july 31st so okay. um the loan that says the covered period for receiving a loan is february 15th to june 30th so sorry february 15th to june 30th i think that's- so
0: and from what I understand, you actually don't have to go to SBA.gov to do it. You can actually go into your local banks. Is it starting April yeah, 2nd? Is that right? I think they're only going to do it through banks. Through banks. Okay. So and that so- makes it a lot e- easier for people. So that'll help with the keeping your team members
1: on payroll, should they want to stay on payroll. You um, can also hire people back and still be covered. Uh, that What they want to do is they want to encourage people to bring everyone back that was there. Before. That was there, right. And so that'll allow people to, if you did push people into unemployment, they're not going to penalize you for that. It looks like you just have to be able to get the people back on payroll that were there. And then they'll be able to release the funds for that purpose. That's a pretty significant government program. Like I, that's kind of unprecedented, you know? Yeah,
0: of course. That, that's amazing. Um, what then becomes of the uh, income side of things Because you're literally paying people to running out of jobs to do in your office. Like you can only clean so often. You can only yeah. yes. have them do so much work at home. So what have you been hearing from your docs about having them what to do and also bringing in more income into the office? Because obviously you can't do a whole bunch in the GP world, even in
1: the ortho world, you can't bring in patients yet. Yeah, I think the general advice still from most CPAs and HR companies that I've um, been speaking with is that they're still recommending that people lay off their team and then bring them back at the point that they get uh, their office reopened. So that's general because the covered period is February 15th to June 30th and that most people are going to be in just as good of a good a shape on unemployment. They're recommending that uh, course of action. I don't think that's what the government necessarily wants to have happen, but I do think that's possible and it's understandable given I don't really want to go and apply for that loan until I'm really back in business because then I'm just going to be using that money towards nothing. Right. And so, right. And that's the general guidance that um, I'm seeing as of this morning, this is pretty like today kind of stuff though. That's what's cool about it is it's
0: in the moment. And so if you're watching this a week later, we're not held to anything yeah, we're yeah, talking about here. No idea. Or anything. That's right. All, right. all right. Well, okay. So there are a couple of questions here that we had on here uh, and maybe it's more about bills and things like that. We have, um, do, 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 do. Oh, wait, where'd that go? John Sherrill. John Sherrill, was it the side question? Side question from a doc. What, what about offering a discount for patients to pay off their entire balance? He said they're trying to pay bills in advance. Oh, so maybe he's talking about um, having uh, orthodontic patients coming in and giving them a discount just to pay that, just to bring in more cash flow. But if the cash flow problem is solved in the sense of payroll, because and from what I understand too, that that payroll benefit, the reason why they're doing the two and a half times is so that you can also cover
1: overhead. Some of your overhead, yeah. Some of your overhead. Uh-huh. It's, um, it's going to be payroll related expenses though. Um, some health and retirement benefits um, and uh, other qualified in- expenses include interest payments on debt, uh, mortgages on your building, even if you own your own building, I the think it's going to qualify as one that comes so, back, and you can pay yourself back on that, and then rent, and then utilities, and they, and then there's language for other debt obligations, other business debt obligations, which I don't really know how to, what that means. It's probably like equipment and your Seric and your cone beam or something. I, I don't right. think those would qualify. All
0: right. So one of the things I've been talking about is the after, because um, there's going to be an after, right? So how we prepare ourselves now for the after is gonna make a big difference. So with not bringing in income, with having your business kind of basically sit stale for the next how many weeks, months, we don't know, what have you been talking to your um, clients about and advising them when it comes to best business practices uh, for what they should prepare for? Because it can't be just a matter of, oh, green light, doors are open, everybody just go back to work and it's gonna be a slam of work there's going to be some probably trickle and rollout to it.
1: Yeah. I think everyone has to have a pretty strong marketing program and a good social media program. Like if you don't have one, I I think ultimately like you right now is a time to build your audience. Let them know what you're going through. A lot of people don't even know you're out of business. A lot of people don't think that my dentist is shut down completely. That's Um, true. And so I've had a lot of conversations with, um, just average people that are just like, oh man, I never realized that that would affect them so much, right? The dentist would be that affected um, by this crisis. And after I explain it to them, like, man, I gotta go see my guy. As soon as he opens, I'm gonna go in and, and uh, help him out by showing up. Um, that kind of like awareness, um, sharing that with your community, I think is a huge advantage and you should definitely consider starting to make it clear to people what is going on, you know, I like to focus on my social media program using like education material and adding yep. value instead of just advertising. And so just get on there. And, and, and this is a good time if you, if you, you know, there's a lot of resources. Um, later today, I've got probably two Facebook lives on our uh, private Facebook group at DennisAdvisors.com slash group on social media. So like my social practice is coming on um today to talk about how to do social media activity during covid um, I, I think that would be a really if I, that's what i would work on is getting the demand ready letting people know that um, this is happening and that you've been affected by this and that you're excited to get your patients in and get things rolling quickly and um even potentially create you know a, a program some kind of a program that looks you know intentional um for people to feel some sense of urgency to get in there and get caught back up, right? Whether I love that idea.
0: Time. I love that idea of actually educating them on like, okay, so this is what you should do. I've always been a big fan of education sales. Yeah. That people actually appreciate being educated before they actually make a decision because then they're actually, um, they feel like they're making an empowered decision. And so if you could actually create that program that says, okay, so this is how it's going to work and this is what we're going to do. And this is what you need to prepare for. They want to be told what to do. So, so if you could be that person to tell them that. Um, I think we covered the question around um, the expanded unemployment. I said that somebody, uh, John was saying that a lot, they work for Ormco. A lot of their clients are weighing all their options. Um, Do they have to uh, let them all go before applying for the SBA
1: loans? No, you can keep your team on um and the be, there's two sba loans there's a disaster recovery program which has been in existence since the late 90s this new thing is a sba 7a loan so i haven't eaten in like 10 hours so i'm eating a banana that's okay shout out to everyone keep, who's keep your health yeah <laughs> so the new sba 7a program that's being delivered to banks is a payroll protection program. You can't apply for both the SBA disaster recovery program and the seven, a payroll protection program. It's one or the other. You can apply for lines of credit from your local bank, like under another statute. Like I've got clients with, you know, two or $300,000 a credit line that they were just approved for. And that's not either one of these two SBA programs. So I would, if it were me when I was a dentist, I'd make sure I have a home equity line on my house to make sure i'm protected there you don't have to use it but just get as big of a home equity line as you can get as big of a credit line as you can from your local bank independent of these two programs because you might not be seeing any this sba money through this new payroll protection program might not show up for it, should, it could be 45 days could be sixty sure, days Sure, sure. And so that you know begs the obvious question then well do i need to keep my staff on since this money's coming like should i keep them on i think in general My general thought is like there's not really an advantage to doing that if you're not open. You know, if you're not open, I mean, at least go to like reduced hours unemployment. There's like reduced hours and there's full termination. You've got to like take some action that will, you know, while you're not open, help support you. Or a lot of staff, like a lot of ortho staff, they're not the primary breadwinner. So a lot of people are like, it's fine. I'll just take this time off. And
0: Yeah, that was a money. big conversation that was had over there. If it's not living paycheck to paycheck. The other one was, you know, there are people who just don't want to come in because of their own health concerns. Health concerns. And
1: you can't force them to. And that's yeah. another, that's going to, you know, that's another um, HR issue that, like, to be candid, like, I'm not in super deep when it comes to like the FMLA rules around what the regulations are behind what you can say and not say to an employee. Right. Keep yourself out of hot water. I would do like HR for health is pretty good. HR for health.com. Uh-huh. Like they like publish some pretty good stuff on that. Um, but anyway, that's the general feeling I'd have is if you know, there's a likelihood that you're not open for 35 to 40 days. Oh that. Yeah.
0: I think
1: there are some people who are are looking at 60 to 90 days. So So, since I'm trying to be conservative, I'm just saying it's probably not an advantage of like that SBA programs open clear through the first part of June for a reason. It's because they're not really assuming that they're going to be able to get this thing up and running until then. So you're not getting money for that. So I just don't think I would use this as a chance to like not take action on my strategy to either lay off, terminate, or furlough certain people. You need to have an HR strategy that tackles that immediately, um, independent of this program, because it, it won't affect your ability to qualify for this funding.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, the important part. Uh, point, is that it's not going to affect your ability to qualify for it, so you might as well do it, number one. Number two, um, are, do you know if there's any stipulations in there about Uh, do they actually have to have employees coming to work and punching a time clock in order
1: to qualify for that or to be able to get reimbursed for that? They just have to be on payroll. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you could technically, um, you could technically do this independent of whether they're physically at the office. Nice. Wow. Um, all right, let's
0: see what other questions we have here. Um, well, let me, let me do this before I go some questions. I wanna go kind of back to your, especially focus on your expertise of this, is that here I am, I'm gonna just throw out a scenario. I've been investing, like you said, I've had a plentiful you know, five years, things have been going really cool. Thank you to uh, the economy and things that are happening there. And now everything's shifted. I have this saying that I use all the time, which is the higher the emotion, the lower the IQ, right? So I get super emotional about stuff. I'm going to start making stupid decisions. What are the things that I don't want to be doing right now with my portfolio and the stock market with my retirement because of my panic uh, that you would recommend that we actually keep pace? What, what we should be focused on. Well, there's
1: not like right now, like if you're a financial advisor like this should not be a problem for people who had a good plan. So like declines in stock and (laughs) recessions in stock markets are, they are going to happen and your plan should have included a portion of money, probably three to four years worth of personal spending that was not in the stock market. Okay. That was not part of this massive volatility if you are close to retirement, meaning if you're within 10 years of retirement and you didn't have that kind of cushion, your financial advisor wasn't planning uh, appropriately for that moment in time. And, and if you're really early on in your career, meaning you're 15 to 20 years out from retirement, I, I don't like, I, I, there's a lot of people that are on the internet right now that, that are trying to get people, everyone carte blanche to make adjustments to their portfolio. Like, oh, we're going to go deeper. So sell out of stocks. Oh, this is going to be worse. So bail out of, oh, the bond market's going to fall apart because the government's buying treasuries. You got to bail on fixed income, stop buying corporate bonds. Like if you're 20 years away from retirement, that's a very different decision than if you're within 10 years or within seven years. And so I think it's, it's really important, you know, that you have um, a good relationship with, Either a, your CPA that's functioning as your financial advisor and is a fiduciary or you've got a fee-only fiduciary advisor like dentist advisors that can coach you through whether your portfolio is properly positioned right now. There's a lot of people that the, the, the right answer isn't just stick with this and you'll be fine because you weren't positioned properly to begin with when you got to this point. And if we do have another, you know, 20 to 25% decline and we have a three-year choppy market and you're only a few years or five years away from retirement, like we might need to make some urgent adjustments right now to your overall portfolio because there isn't like, it wasn't prepared for this, right? If you're really early, there's probably less likelihood that you would make significant adjustments, but that depends on the quality of the portfolio that you've built, how expensive it is, how it's allocated. Like, is it all domestic U.S. stock? Do you have money in Europe? Is it heavily concentrated in, in precious metals or gold? Is it in China? Is it imbalanced in any way that's like disproportionately uh, emphasizing one sector like energy, you know, or oil? And so you want to make sure that your portfolio really is diverse and that it really is inexpensive and that it's positioned in a way that matches your age in life. And, um, as you deposit money right now, there's a, there's a really critical trading decision you have to make every time you deposit, you know, you have to decide where to allocate that money as the market continues to decline. Those choices are so important. Um, And if you are saving a little bit of money or you have some cash that you've been waiting to invest and you haven't deployed it, I just finished an article called like, am I too early? (laughs) And it's just, it's about like, I've had some money on the sidelines, but I don't know if I should jump in right now or if I should wait a little longer.
0: Yeah, I'll be transparent. That's where we are right now is we're going like, wow, we spent the last couple of years really building up our, our, our finances and stuff. And yeah. so Shannon and I are having this robust debate about like, okay, is this like the best time to jump in right now or what? <laughs> and of course, I don't want to be the person making that 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 yeah. uh, decision because I'm like, uh, yeah, let's go buy a whole bunch of Disney. I don't know. I have no yeah. idea like what yeah. I'm doing.
1: Well, and things move so quickly, you know. I think that it's date. It sometimes can feel like um, like it, it was like. it it might be that we already had our generational buying opportunity prior to the stimulus package. Like that might've already happened. We're up 15% from that point, you know, Yeah, we're still 25%, you know, down from the market highs, which is still an incredibly good time to purchase uh, stocks for people that want to hold them for a decade. Um, Disney's had some good recovery, Delta's had some good recovery, you know, a lot of companies that were really disproportionately affected by this crisis have recovered somewhat, but, you know, this is not, it's not likely that we're, like, on a rebound right now. It's likely that we'll be in a very volatile um, moment for the, for months as uh, the, the, the number of cases continues to rise in the U.S. and the pressure on the hospital systems Continues to get higher, and so I would just say that, like any good long-term investor, it, you should have been investing that cash, you know, three years ago, and two years ago, and a year ago. I'm not talking to you specifically; I'm talking about the general audience here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say. Sound- I hear it. I, I I
0: hear you're piercing my heart. I understand yeah. that's Whatever, whatever. And, I'm good. I can take and,
1: it. And right now is still a good time to keep allocating, but not for money that you're going to need in five years. Right? Yeah not this is not a time to invest money that you're going to need in five years um there are a lot of places to invest money in the um fixed income market in the bond market that are much more appropriate than the stock market um for money that you're going to need in the short term so that'd be some general ideas i guess about how to approach this i would just point people to a resource on my website um If you go to dentistadvisors.com slash podcast or dentistadvisors.com slash listen, I think those URLs will take you to our podcast where you can subscribe. And each week, you know, there's an episode that we release on stock markets and on investing and um, positioning your finances properly, all this stuff. And then our our private Facebook group, we answer a lot of questions and do live Facebooks every few days. Um, And that's dentistadvisors.com slash group. Um, if you just go to dentistsadvisors.com/group, you can you can just chime in on a lot of stuff that we're doing there. Um, we'll be publishing an action plan um, later today, or maybe I, I think it's going to be at like 5 p.m. or something that we'll publish like kind of an action plan on how resources that you can you know connect with to make your decision between now and April 1st when you have to make a decision on the unemployment and then investment resources and um, and and whatnot. So.
0: Awesome. So there's a couple questions here. I think the first one I'm going to a- answer real quick, uh, which was by, I think, Dr. Park here. She's asking, I think, is a question we asked before about, she says, if staffs are working reduced payroll hours, can they still apply for and qualify for unemployment benefits? Or do they need to be terminated prior to pl- applying for unemployment benefits? I think it depends on the state, but your reduced hours, some can, you can, they can be unemployed and work a few hours, depending on, say, Atlanta, California, Utah, different states like that. Uh, so you can do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You that. can just re, you, you can terminate employees or you can uh, they can qualify for unemployment with reduced hours. And a lot yeah. of people will use reduced hours as the method, but there, it will be reduced, you know, by like, if you, if you need people to work reduced hours, that's probably the appropriate uh, measure for those select employees. Um, but it doesn't really help them financially or you financially to have them work reduced hours because they, they're just going to get the money one way or another. And it's either going to come from you or from unemployment, given the, yeah. and, you know,
0: and they take off that, that amount. They, they determine the percentage of what they get based upon how much they are working. If it's zero work, then that's one thing. If it's minimal hours, it's another. Uh, the other question here was uh, what do you consider right now, especially where we're in a reasonable interest rate for those uh, HELOCs that you're talking about? Some of our lines of credits uh, that they might have just in
1: general. Um, right now you should be in the high threes. Um, the, it's weird because the 15 year mortgage right now rate is higher than the 30 year mortgage and it's just happened over the last few days. So you just a line of credit will probably be in the high threes to low fours. That would be like your current market rate environment loans. The payroll protection program um it, it, there is no interest on the payroll protection program for this SBA product, and then there on the yeah. disaster recovery loan, it's three point seven five percent, and it's over thirty years. Um, and so, depending on the type of business, and, you know, that and
0: isn't the right. payroll protection when that one's the one that's forgiven, is it not? Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah assuming, so it's not even a payback. Assuming it, it's only forgiven based on very detailed accounting records that you have, mm-hmm. and that you are employing the same number of people that you were prior to this event.
0: So the question I have for that is, so there are people like me, cause we were talking about this too. When I first heard about it last week and we we're looking into it, I was going, well, okay. Cause we laid, we laid off a few of our, uh, higher ticket employees that we have. Yeah. And so I thought, well, wait a minute. Can I also qualify for that as a small business owner? However, those employees are 1099 employees.
1: Yeah. Does that work? Contractors won't are not viewed the same as W two employees. So no, like a lot of dentists or orthodontists will employ an associate on a per diem or you know a percentage of collections and that on a ten ninety nine. That's not the same, and so they you okay. can't payroll for that those types of expenses.
0: What about um, let's talk a little bit about um, let's see uh, evaluating and pivoting your rolling cash reserves when you've got little or no income coming in. Yeah. So
1: can you repeat the question one more time?
0: Says, uh, how about uh, how to evaluate and pivot your rolling cash reserves when you've got little or no income coming in? Well, maybe about the amount of money that you're putting into your cash reserves every month, since you have no money coming in, how do you determine that?
1: Well, I think just as a general rule, you always want to have between one point, 3 to 1.4 your monthly overhead in your practice checking account up to two times your monthly payroll in your practice checking account. That's my general advice at all times. So you're you're you know you're, you're 1.2 to 2 depending on how fast you're growing. The faster you're growing, the more you're going to want to maintain just because it if you run into a problem like we just had, this is the kind of the consequence of only having one times or 0.5 percent, you know, times your monthly overhead. Um personally, I always recommend having an LT we call it an Lt score um, but six months minimum of personal liquidity. Um, that can be invested in really short duration bonds like money market and a high yield money market account. you know there's you can make two percent on that kind of money, but it just needs to be accessible to you daily. I keep mine inside of a tax-free municipal bond mutual fund that pays me like you know three and a half percent tax free from the state of Utah. There's a lot of states that'll have a a tax-free mutual fund that you can get your money in and out of over a couple of days, and and I don't mind having a little bit of volatility in that money because I don't need it all the time. Only right. when the pandemic, which right? Means. And so, <laughs> in I'm which case you're like, wait a minute, yeah. So anyway, that I would say, yeah, your your reserves need to just be repositioned to those levels. Okay,
0: so uh, I think this was also. I think maybe somebody uh, Daniel asked. The truth that unemployment will pay nine hundred dollars per week for two and a half months, and if so, we can keep our employees partially and figure out. Um, sorry, that my screen just scrolled up. Um, partially and figure out what to do with them uh, with pay after the period. I think I think what he's asking is just a clarification on the unemployment side of things, but it, the number depends on
1: how much that person is being paid, right? Yeah, it does. I think there's a maximum though. that the the, the house wanted I think they just passed this they did they just passed it yeah they did I think it's six hundred dollars a week minimum wage which is what they were proposing prior which correlates to like 15 bucks an hour if like on a 40 hour week and um, you know a typical practice member though might be making more like 20 to 25 dollars an hour but those people should receive um, $400 or more in state unemployment, in addition to the um, $600 in federal unemployment. So uh, I think that's closer to $1,000 a week now.
0: Okay. Um, Can you clarify what you were talking about earlier around the difference between the disaster loan and then what this uh, emergency thing is going uh, here? Because
1: uh, one has to be paid back, the other one does not. Is that correct? One has to be paid back over a thirty. The disaster recovery loan has to be paid back over a thirty-year period, but it is up to two million dollars that you can apply for. Oh wow! And and that it's paid back over thirty years, and it's um, a three point seven five percent interest rate for for for-profit businesses. And if you're you happen to be a nonprofit uh, clinic, it's two point seven five percent for nonprofits. It's over a thirty-year term, so it's very flexible repayment period, but it you know it's still up in the air on how many dental practices would be qualified for that because it was intended for like flood and disasters and like
0: natural ah,
1: right were more of the intention and and it's unclear to 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 what extent it, it the sba is going to be comfortable lending that they didn't have reserves for this program for this type of problem and so that i think that that most people will be applying for the Payroll protection. Um, I was going to
0: say. So it sounds like if you are worried about the payroll and overhead side of things, focus on the payroll protection one, not the disaster relief, because the the constrictions are going to be higher probably for the disaster relief. Number one, number yeah. two, you're not going to have to pay back the other one. Um, here's a great question that I'm
1: assuming it's
0: not, but you never know
1: with the government. Is it a first come first served basis? Um, well, the, the, these banks are going to have their own employees that are going to process these express loan applications on a first come first served basis. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I was thinking about the other day is like which bank would I talk to like my local bank that has like one person working there like and they're just barely know how to use a computer. <laughs> um, am I going to go like run down to Wells Fargo or Chase and, or try to get on a national hotline? Like you just want to find somebody right now. You feel like they got their act together because you don't want to be stuck with, um, I mean, you're not going to like not get approved, and they've got enough money. I mean, it was like almost 300 and I don't know how many billion dollars, 350 billion is allocated for the Paycheck Protection Program.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. So your wife doesn't shop at Target, because my wife could go through that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so staff does not need to apply for unemployment every single week. It's a matter of they go in and apply for that, right? And it's usually, I think it's uh, they, have to re- they have to send something in. It's not like they have to go into the office and re- and reapply or go online and reapply every week. That's correct?
1: Yeah. Yep, they just have to do it once. Um, yep. and the, But your, the, this payroll protection program too, It's the proceeds have to be used within eight weeks for qualified expenses from the time you apply. So, so that's least-
0: why it might be like you were talking about earlier, strategic wise, for those of you that are thinking through this, you might actually want to go ahead and unemploy all of your team members, let them all go so they can apply for that. They're going to get, like Reese was saying in the very beginning, They've added so many different stimuluses to this thing that if you have somebody who's making 20 bucks an hour, they might get the equivalent of like 15 to 18 bucks an hour. If you don't uh, include uh, taxes in that, I mean, they it's uh, they're actually making off pretty, pretty well. Yeah. But then let's just say we all, everything they give us the green light and we're good to go, you know, June 1st, or let's go back. Cause you said it was June 31st is when the cutoff date is. Yes. So let's just say it's June 1st that we all get to go back. June then thir- you apply. Thir- June 30th is the cutoff date. June 30th. So then you go and apply June 1st so that you can take care of yourself over the next couple of months. Because like you said, it's that's where they're going to start. The clock is there. You have to pay it back within a certain or you have to You have to use the funds, so you should say not pay it back within yeah, a certain Yeah, I think it just makes
1: sense to use it when you're open. Yeah. So that's when it yeah. makes yeah. sense to use it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, th- I think it's
0: really, really smart. Yeah. Um, Cool. Do you know, do you apply federal and state separately? Or I'm sure it's all just once you do it through the bank. So the bank's going to apply all that for you. So uh, we got that good. And lastly, is the amount loan to you SBA based on your uh, 2019 production?
1: It's based on um, I think the- it's a the, 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 the two and a half months worth of overhead yeah, is your trailing 12 month average of your payroll and payroll related expenses. Yeah. 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 So you have to
0: prove that. Um, and just bringing in your, um, payroll expenses and, and whatever
1: you have there, uh, accounting wise. So yeah. Yeah. And, and the, and the doctor, um, the compensation limit for any one person is a hundred thousand.
0: Uh, right for any one person so if you're paying yourself a hundred thousand but you're going to get a hundred thousand plus the extra aren't you well your
1: salary of a hundred if you're paying yourself 150 or more or something a month right yeah they're only a year uh right <laughs> i thought you i was saying you
0: pay yourself a hundred You <laughs> know, I thousand mean, i'm paying yeah. myself
1: nothing right now you gotta, I know, <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta hold i gotta hold off for a bit here trying to like I got a lot of payroll that um, I'm trying to keep during this crisis.
0: Which is a really good point that I hope people get is, and I know they do, is that you're coming from a place, and, and when I'm talking to my clients and I'm talking to all these Facebook lives, like I'm kind of coming, like we're in that boat too, right? Just because we don't have that, you know, that office that we're going to that we're actually cleaning people's teeth or whatever, we actually have the same situation going on. Your employees, can't come into the office either they've got challenges and concerns worried about you've got to worry about your overhead stuff like that same with me so i think that's a really good uh you know reminder that you're thinking this through like a small business owner
1: yeah yep yeah and i any i just i'm i think a lot of people over the next you know it's much more clear today i feel much better about things than i did a week ago I do think there's a path forward, and I, I'm not as worried now. I just think we're it's a big package, and it's very expensive, and it is a um, it was that's a significant amount of debt that's going to be um, incurred um, yeah. by our uh, national you know balance sheet. But I just think, man, if we went three to four months to five months without we you know we'd lose probably a hundred thousand jobs. I yeah mean, I'm sorry 100 million people would be out of work yeah <laughs> like yep. um this is just like the the bulk of the industry. you think about the dental industry like okay it's like a hunt let's i mean is it like a mi- probably a million people employed yeah um, you know that would are just done right now and that's just like one segment of, of one industry right and so and amazon can't hire all of us i mean uh, that's,
0: we, although we, they're we, trying we, i think they're gonna try <laughs> what people don't know is that the beard Reese is sporting right now—that all grew out just in the last two days because of the yeah. stress that he was dealing with. Uh-huh. So
1: Not very well groomed.
0: Uh, I just to clarify too, can't they can't all apply for a hundred thousand dollars per employee? You have to prove your employee your your payroll for that employee. What Reese was talking about was that if you personally get a hundred thousand dollars, or yours is a salary of a hundred thousand dollars for the year, or your associate or your partner or whatever. That is the cap is hundred thousand. You can't apply for a hundred
1: thousand dollars per person. Yeah, it's two and a half times your monthly payroll, rent, utilities, and insurance. Okay, it's two and a half times that amount. But they will only allow you to qualify. They, they will remove any compensation that any person has from that calculation if they make over a hundred thousand. So you're you're basically it's two and a half times your monthly overhead rent salaries insurance but if you make over a hundred they're going to cap that uh person's salary at a hundred when they do that two and a half times monthly calculation it's interesting because for myself like uh you know i
0: pay myself obviously through my company shannon pay i pay shannon through her company uh, through our company we're basically the only w-2 employees But to keep our business up and going, it actually makes sense for us to apply for that as well, um, because then we are taking care of our overhead and things like that. And like I said, we have no actual cash coming into our business right now. So that would actually make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think for everybody that it's worth applying for. So, you know. And when does that happen? That starts uh, the the 2nd of April? Well, um, we don't know yet. Oh. Uh, it's it's going to be like within the next few, I bet it's by next week. I bet yeah. it's like end of week, next week, you'll be able to start applying. Because it's through the existing what they call 7A Express Loan Program, which already exists in every bank system. So it's okay. a 7A Express Loan, which is a fast loan application. And all banks already know how to do it. They're just going to get guidelines next week and probably start taking applications.
0: So it's not like back with the, and I'm not, going political here, but it's not like when we had the Obamacare thing come in and everybody had to create and learn and do the new system. We don't have a new software that was being downloaded or employed. Everybody's got this. There's plugging in
1: the new guidelines. Yes. Every That's bank's great. going to be responsible for underwriting and taking the risk on. And so they're just going to plug in their guidelines into existing 7A loan applications that already exist and that they've they're already issuing 7A express loans already right now. Right, the SBA. And so they're just, this is just a new guideline with a new funding mechanism.
0: All right. So in order to wrap this up, I would love to find out from you, like what are some of your main focus thoughts that you would love people to think about when it comes to their finances right now? Not not necessarily even just with the unemployment or with the team members, but you know, the fact of the matter is that long-term, we got to think about our own financial health and w- what's going to help us survive However long this is going to be, like you said, it could be two or three years of a wild market. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. What, what is the kind of thought process you want people to have? And I know not everybody has their own advisor out there. Of course, we would want them to have an advisor. But when it comes to their own personal finances, what should they be thinking about and, how, and what would you advise them to uh, focus on?
1: Well, I'm trying to, I would say first, you but uh, thanks for having me on today, Dino. I've, yeah, absolutely. I've, Thank you for being here. I, got, I shifted my 11 to 12, and so they're pinging me now, saying I got another Facebook Live I got to hop on. <laughs> All right. But I'm going to wrap up with this this uh, question and just awesome. let everyone know. I would say the number one thing people need to do is, in um, as nice of a way how I can say, it, is you got to get your financial crap together. Okay? You just got to organize yourself. You have to have a system of organization that – Um, you can adopt, you know, some people might feel like they're at the stage of their life when, where mint.com accomplishes that for them, or they can use Quicken to do that. Um, I feel like, uh, it's important to our elements framework that we use, I think is more thorough for dental practices and whether you hire us as a financial advisor, or you just want to like tiptoe in and like be a part of our er- We have some learning courses that we do. Like I just, I'm launching a students and professionals learning course. That's a very reasonably priced, just monthly course. You'll get access to workbooks and worksheets and and you're not gonna get sold anything from anybody. It's just teaching you and you'll, you'll learn. You just turn into Facebook Live and join our private Facebook group. Like you need to start learning and get your financial crap together. And if you have your stuff together, you'll be able to get through crises like this a lot better. You know. And it's people that are unorganized and don't have a system of goals that they're setting around liquidity, around savings, around spending, around tax planning, all these things like, there's just a set of checklists. There's like 30 to 40 things you gotta do every year. And um, it, it, it's, it, you, need to have, you need to be making some progress towards that. As much as you're making clinical progress, and business progress you have to make some personal financial progress and and just don't assume that that's going to happen when you're working with a salesperson that wants that you to buy more insurance or put, they want to sell you a 401k they want you to put money into mutual funds like that's not going to be um empowering to you as an individual and so, no i
0: absolutely agree and i i think having somebody an advisor in any way shape or form is going to be better for them especially somebody who is a fee-based I'm going to throw this last thing out there is that any doctors that are listening to this, I think the best service you can give to your team members right now is to teach them that during this downtime, teach them how to deal with their finances, deal with their money because when they come back, they'll be in better shape and raises are probably not going to happen within the next couple of months. I'm just thinking, right? Right. So yeah. And
1: I'll have them, I mean, have them join our next, um, uh, new professionals course. We're starting it in another week. It's $29 a month. It's like four classes a month for awesome. a 12-week period of time. It's like free <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And, um, just have them, you know, pay for some of your staff to join that and get their financial stuff. great idea. Owning, you know, a little bit of their um, future. If you want to talk to me about that, just, you can go to, um, I think the landing page is up there right now. is DennisAdvisors.com slash student um, learning. Student learning. Go to DennisAdvisors.com slash student learning you can just click the link, um, you can pay for it via PayPal, and it'll just register them, they'll start getting notifications, and, and our first class is going to be in a week.
0: What a really cool gift that would be for every doctor right now. I know it's times are hard or whatever, but to give that to all of your team members right now in a place that they have time to learn and to focus on it. So I will make sure we put that up there in the show notes as well on the podcast, and then up here on the thing, DentistAdvisors.com forward slash student learning. All right. We're going to leave it with there because you got to go and I'm feeling the pressure. Eat your banana in between time and uh, get some energy. But man, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck. We'll connect soon.
1: Thanks for all that you're doing, man. We'll talk to you soon. All bye. right. Bye bye.
0: Thanks so much again for listening to the Proponer podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at Dino at DinoWatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.